And so that's what I, I plan on doing. I'm going to go over the the model at the at the end, and, and then take uh, take questions at that time. Um, and the thing that I want to do first is begin with a, a case study that is uh, has been really useful for a variety of reasons. One, because things like that, um, this case study um, uh, appeared to to get uh, to to be replicated in in various. Uh, ways on the, on the test, and it's uh, this uh, case study called Louise. I've always wanted to re-record this one anyway, so I'm going to do this one uh, again. Even if you've seen it, um, I want to you know do it again because I think that I went over it a little too quickly uh, years ago when I when I did it. And beyond Louise, there is also another case study that is uh, useful, and that is a student named Robert. And so we'll take a look at what. Uh, Robert has a say for himself and what his uh, challenges uh, challenges are. And again, uh, this one also seems to have um, uh, uh, some some utility to it because it deals with a couple of uh, varieties of text that uh, you'll want to, to know. And uh, you'll want to know some of the typical ways to address uh, reading issues that, uh, that, that go along with uh, some of the common things that you see in the in the test and what it is that they're actually looking for. This has got uh, reading and writing that uh, goes along with it, and uh, even writing sentence dictations, and then you'll we'll look at the answer to this one. So um, let me start back up uh, with uh, with Louise uh, first, and uh, one of the suggestions that I have for any time you begin uh, this test, uh, that is to um, produce a checklist, and, and I want to see if I can get a, a blank page working uh, working here. Um, Let's see if I can crack open Word really quick, and uh, see if it'll allow me to actually do what I want to uh, to do here. And yeah, it does. Okay, so one of the things that I'd recommend that you do is is to memorize a checklist that you can bring into the test with you. And I think that they give you either scratch paper or they give you um, a notepad online that you can type into. And the reason I think that it's useful is because it'll allow you to quickly identify the strengths and the needs uh, that are present in the, uh, the case study. And so the way that this model works is that the very beginning stages of reading instruction include phonemic awareness. I'm gonna abbreviate, and, and that's why I'm recording it so that you can go back and watch this if, if you wish. Uh, but phonemic, phonemic awareness is the first place that you want to uh, begin to look to see if the child is able to um, identify uh, phonemes and, and, and sounds. And that's all this is about, are, are sounds. And at the same time, you're, you're also checking whether or not the student has concepts about print. And concepts about print start very broadly with looking at book concepts, for example, sentence concepts, identifying a sentence, identifying a word, identifying a letter. And then that leads to uh, letter sound correspondence, also known as the alphabetic principle. So these are really the first foundational skills that, uh, that you're looking for. And this is like K through uh, one right here. You want to make sure that those are in place. In fact, you can think of it this way, that the, that the child is not escaping kindergarten until they have both phonemic awareness and concepts about print in place, and that they have some basic letter sound correspondence uh, understanding, uh, so that they're able to understand that, you know, the letter A is for, uh, for ape and also apple, for example. And so they have some knowledge that there's a relationship between sounds and, and letters. 
If not, then, <clears throat> then RECA has a number of activities that they want you to know to develop phonemic awareness and to develop concepts about print. And I go over that, I think, really in detail on, on line, which is why I don't want to spend, uh, which is why I'm not going to talk about it in depth unless you want me to later. Uh, because these activities are, are pretty well covered in any methods book. Uh, you know, phonemic awareness activities, they have these things called Elkanen boxes. And if you are, you know, unfamiliar with what they are, you know what they are once I draw like a, you know, a duck here. This is the best duck I can draw everybody. And the student will move markers into each one of these uh, slots to go duh, uh, and ka to learn phoneme segmentation, for example. And using these sound boxes, for example, is something that develops phonemic awareness, along with a lot of other, uh, some other skills or some other um, uh, activities that are very, very common. And concepts about print, uh, that is uh, anything to do with, uh, with uh, learning how to track print, like uh, modeling on a big book, how to read from uh, left to right, for example, understanding word boundaries, and then find, finally, identifying individual letters and being able to, to, to letter name them. And then letter sound correspondence, again, would be like A is for ape, the very basic foundational kinds of, uh, kinds of things. So again, um, just memorizing this list, phonemic awareness concepts about print and letter sound correspondence is uh, where I would go. Uh, and, and I would just write the list down. So again, you can just check off what the student can and cannot uh, do. After letter sound correspondence, there is onsets and rhymes. And that is uh, where the child is able to decode uh, words that, uh, that are very common. For example, if I put the letter M right here and we have a, a mat, for example, so this is the onset, that's the first consonant that's in front of a word family, at. And you could also get cat and you could also get sat. And the idea is that the child is able to decode very simple three-letter uh, three consonant-vowel-consonant words. And this is, again, an activity that you're looking at right here uh, that is called making words. And making words activities are very uh, useful on this test for a whole host of things. You know, for silent E words, for example, uh, for uh, doubling consonants, virtually anything. Um, Rika loves making words. You really can't go wrong with it. So for any decoding problem, uh, onsets and rhymes, doing these making words activities is, uh, uh, is a good, uh, good bet. Now, after onsets and rhymes, there are phonics rules. And there's about a billion phonics rules that you could memorize, but um, I, I really wouldn't necessarily uh, try to memorize all of them. There's there's a handful of them that are that are use, uh, useful, and that would be like the CVC, uh, CVC, silent E rule, for example. That's a a, a common uh, common one, and uh, that is as you know as easy as you know changing something from mat to mate or um, uh, cap to cape. And again, that can be done using these uh, word cards, for example, with a silent E card. And you just teach the student to um, change the, uh, the, uh, the, the medial vowel sound. The uh, middle vowel says its name when, when you see a silent E. And 
That's uh, that's also pretty easy. Um, another thing that I want to mention about either these uh, onsets and rhymes or these rules is that you always go back to uh, print. Like you might, for example, after making a, a, a making words out of an onset and a rhyme, you'll have like the cat sat on the mat and that's a decodable sentence so you would take decodable words that you've made and you've used it in a sentence and if you're wondering oh my god how am i going to make up all of these uh, sentences out of these rules well you don't have to just look at whatever text the student was having difficulty with pull out an example and present it to them and, and it's really pretty uh, pretty simple um, after looking at phonics rules, for example, another thing to take a, to take a look at to make sure that the student is capable of, uh, of, of doing it's uh, polysyllabic words, uh, words with more than one syllable. And those are really easy, uh, like ma, ma, for example, is one, uh, batman is another, and uh, repeat, and eggs, am, pull. So these polysyllabic words, words with more than one syllable are like kind of an increasing progression of, of decodable words that get a little bit more complex as the child uh, encounters more difficult text. So it's gonna start out with really easy things like mat and mama, uh, then it's going to go mat to mate, and then it'll get more complicated into uh, repeat an example. And, and again, on the videos, I go over this uh, in, in much greater detail. Uh, but there's another variety of word that uh, is not the codable that you want to check off, and that are the sight words. You want to look at and make sure that the child uh, is able to uh, instantly recognize sight words. And sight words are, are words that are, are like, uh, you know, of and was and uh, saw and uh, in and on. And they call them sight words simply because the child needs to uh, identify them immediately. You really can't sound out was, for example, or sa, or however that would be pronounced if it were regular. Uh, these sight words then are ones that just simply need to be memorized. So you may have a child who is able, you know, be presented with data that show a child who uh, is fully capable of uh, decoding uh, words like Matt and mate and mama and Batman, but has difficulty with saw and was and and I should even back up back up to uh, to concepts about print that uh, a common confusion that is that is like you know sight words in a way are the easily confused letters like p and b and d and q so sometimes for was they'll say saw sometimes for saw they'll say was sometimes for were they'll say where and that is the same for some of the individual letters that they encounter uh, with concepts about print. And one of the things that, uh, that they really like, uh, that the test makers really like, is uh, what they call multisensory techniques. And a common multisensory technique is like writing in sand or tracing in, in, uh, in air or tracing sandpaper letters because it's using another sense other than the senses that are failing the, the child at this point. You know, sight is not sufficient. So in order to make these letters uh, easier to distinguish, they'll do 
um, you know, uh, activities like tracing, uh, tracing letters. And you can even see, like, you might have seen in classes where the teacher will say, okay, everybody do like this, and this is a B, and this is a D. You know, you might want to do this. I'm not going to check, but you might want to do this. This is a B and a D. This is a P and a Q. Trying to use other senses for the child to understand um, that the direction of the letter makes a, makes a difference. And for sight words, it's just pure memorization. It's just sight word memorization. And usually it's through, that says memorization. It's the best I can do with this pen. They don't make these pens write any better than this, or maybe I don't write any better than that. But uh, with memorization, it's just, you know, word cards. You know, you just have a word card with uh, of on it and another one with was on it. And uh, either the child knows it or the child doesn't, and then you, uh, you memorize. And, um, and that, uh, that sense thing that I just did with this, that's in honor of Mrs. Shimpkis, my first grade teacher who taught me how to distinguish P, B, D, and Q when I was having problems in the, when I was in kindergarten in the 1860s. Now, onsets and rhymes, rules, polysyllabic words, and sight words, this is all leading up to some place, and that's right here too. I'm going to put a box around it, fluency, and I'm going to abbreviate it as the, the flu, uh, because this is the highest point uh, between kindergarten and third grade. Um, if you have ever heard of the uh, learning to read uh, phase, uh, this is it. And fluency is what distinguishes learning to read from uh, the big uh, one that is called uh, reading to learn. And that is where the child reads independently and is able to understand what the, uh, she or he or they are reading um, and, and not having a great deal of difficulty uh, comprehending because they can decode, they understand uh, vocabulary, they understand different kinds of comprehension. And so they're, they're doing very well, but before they get there, they have to be fluent. And fluency for these, uh, uh, the test makers, uh, is really in three uh, varieties. There's one that is called speed. And that's just the ability to read at a, at a pretty good, uh, good pace. I know everybody always asks me, well, what is, what is, you know, what's the proper, you know, reading rate? And so I was looking around and I've, I've, I've looked at many, but it all seems to come down to, uh, uh, to, to really, uh, to, to this. Let me see if I can find where I was taking notes on here. I was taking notes somewhere. And uh, oh, goody, there it is. And so let me see if I can zoom in. Everything just sort of falls by 100s. If, if you look like uh, for grade one, it's like at 100. And then grade two, 120, 130, 140, 150, 160. So if you just memorize the grade levels. It's, you know, 100, 120, 130, 140, 150, 160. It's all pretty simple. And that's like uh, uh, words, uh, words correct per minute. And, and, uh, and that's how I would, I would remember it just in, in, in terms of uh, 100, 120, 130, 140, etc. And speed is will be affected by accuracy because you can't just read 100 mistakes per uh, per minute and be considered fluent. That's not fluent. That is inaccurate reading, but uh, that brings us to accuracy. And so there's a variety of ways to calculate accuracy. Usually you have the child read out loud. 
from a text and then you you uh, will mark up what they what they get correct and what they get incorrect and do a math calculation that we're not going to do tonight uh, but you want to take a look at both speed and accuracy and if the child isn't accurate if the child isn't accurate it could be due uh, to the fact that there's a sight word problem maybe or there's onsets and rhymes that are a problem like maybe the child lacks sight words lacks onsets and rhymes uh, or has problems with phonics rules uh, like i'll just write down c v c e that they just don't know the silent e uh, rule for example and so you need to check to see what to do because that's where you're going to make your intervention depending on where they where they happen to be the last is prosody and prosody is a, is, is simply intonation uh, intonation and prosody is really simple. Um, that the child knows that at the when you when you encounter a period, you stop. When you have a question mark, your voice goes up, and then you have emphasis like this. But also, uh, when you're reading dialogue in a narrative text, for example, um, if the child says, uh, you know, to another character, "Well, that's a great idea," that could be sarcastic versus "That's a great idea," and that's not sarcastic. So. That's another important uh, element of, uh, of, of understanding and comprehending is how something is uh, intended to be read. And for speed, if you're, if you're curious, um, there's an activity that's called repeated reading. And I'll just abbreviate that as our, our uh, repeated reading is, is simply where the, you have the child reading uh, independent level text over and over and over again until their speed uh, improves. Uh, accuracy, it's, it's really the same thing um, for accuracy. It's an independent level text, but uh, the goal that you have maybe is that you have the child uh, finger point as, as they read or they use some kind of, a, of an index card uh, to use underneath the text in order to make sure that they're reading word by word by word. And then you take away the, uh, the uh, uh, you take away the um, aid, for example. And then for prosody, that's our friend choral reading. And choral reading is where you'll model and read together and you'll read it together in the way that it's intended to, to, to be read. Uh, and, and so this right here, this is all kindergarten through third grade uh, information. And it's what you're looking for when you're picking apart these, uh, the, the data sets that they give you or uh, multiple choice questions that they give you. And uh, this is what people indicate is, uh, has been very helpful to them when, they're on, uh, when they take the test. And I go over it in great, much greater detail than I'll be able to uh, this evening um, on, online. You can just watch them and, and I go over the stuff and, and so forth. And, and I'll post this video too for you. So you can watch it, uh, watch it again. But um, the place that you're focusing your attention on is really here on fluency. If you have a, if you look looking at a data set, if you have a child who's not fluent, then you work backward through the list to find out where the error is. If you've got a third grade student who isn't fluent, then you have to find out: is it an onset rhyme problem? Is it a rule problem? Polysyllabic words? You're trying to find the nature of whatever the the, the problem is. Now. You may have a, a student who's completely fluent. There isn't any issue with their uh, ability to read silently or out loud for, for a teacher. They do so quite perfectly, but they don't have any comprehension. 
So the first place to look at, uh, at, at a lack of comprehension would be at uh, advanced polysyllabic words. So I'll just write down advanced poly, or I'd abbreviate it as AP, but advanced polysyllabic words uh, are words that have, um, uh, have, uh, have uh, a lot of prefixes, a lot of prefixes. They have prefixes, suffixes, and roots in them. And so, you know, there, there's that word that we all learned as, a, as, as, as kids. We like to say it. It was what? Anti-disestablishment. Tarianism. Remember that one from like third grade? Uh, so a word like this, clearly, it has all of the stuff that we just saw earlier. It has, um, it's polysyllabic. It has onsets and rhymes. It's decodable. It has, you know, uh, maybe a couple of phonics rules in there. Another word that I should, another thing I should point out to you with onsets and rhymes is that you should be aware of uh, blends and digraphs. And these are our letter combinations. For example, the BL and blend is a blend because you can hear both consonant sounds. Digraph, two letters like PH. The PH and digraph is a digraph because you only get one sound out of it. You don't say digraph, for example. And if you look at an advanced polysyllabic word like this or you know, denationalization or something, uh, something like that, you can't even bother trying to decode a word like this unless you have all of these preceding skills. And, and so we know that uh, like from grades uh, four to, uh, to eight or grades kindergarten through third grade where you're learning to read versus four to eight where you're reading to learn, that the, that the vocabulary gets more complicated. Uh, the higher that it, uh, the higher it goes, the more, uh, uh, the more um, uh, complex the text, the more complicated the uh, the words happen, the words become. Now, beyond these uh, advanced polysyllabic words, then you're going to have words that uh, are multiple meanings. So I'll write down multiple meaning uh, words. And multiple meaning words are ones that are like your homophones. Your homographs and homonyms. And your, uh, you know, homophones are, are, are the ones that, uh, that still people make mistakes with like uh, uh, there and uh, there and uh, there, apostrophe R-E. Your homographs, for example, are ones uh, that are problematic, for example, like, a, uh, like a lead, L-E-A-D versus lead, L-E-A-D, uh, the noun, that substance that, uh, uh, you know, is uh, like a lead pipe, for example, lead like a verb, like I lead the class. And the only way you can distinguish the two of them is by the way it's pronounced. Um, either it's got a, uh, uh, a long vowel, E, lead, or it's got a short vowel, E, as in lead. Um, homonyms, that's a word like cool. 
she's a cool teacher or uh, it's really cool outside. You don't know what it really is until you uh, are aware of the context. Um, that is a, that, that's another, another case. So if you have a student who has problems with comprehension, it could be due to advanced polysyllabic words with a lot of, uh, with, a, with complicated prefixes, suffixes, and roots in them, or multiple meaning words. Um, I, I needed to include one other advanced polysyllabic word and uh, type in here. That's where you're looking at what are called inflections. These are inflectional suffixes, inflections, and derivations. And I cover this uh, on uh, online. Uh, go back to the, the videos that I have posted and you'll see, uh, it's probably like video number eight or nine, somewhere it's a little farther into, into the videos, but I, I go over that in, in great detail. In fact, I go over all of this in greater detail than this uh, very rushed sort of, look at all the stuff that you can't read on the screen uh, presentation that I'm giving you now. Um, I give you, uh, a much more detailed lecture online with other scribbles that are hard to read too, but at least you can pause them and, and go back and, and watch. So this is all related to vocabulary here. This is all stuff that is advanced vocab. Now, the real thing that you're looking at, if you have a child who's fluent, but they're not comprehending, it could be due to the uh, vocabulary, nature of the vocabulary, or it could be due to uh, literal, inferential or evaluative comprehension. And I really recommend that you develop your own uh, system of, uh, of uh, mnemonic devices or whatever. Like this is spells L-I-E for literal, inferential and evaluative. And literal comprehension, really easy. That's being able to answer any factual question. Like who are those people? What are they doing? Where? are they going? When did they go? Inferential comprehension. You, you can't have inferential comprehension. Like literal is the factual stuff. Inferential are making like an informed guesses or um, informed uh, uh, decisions about what's happening in something. It's uh, like educated guesses. So an inferential, um, inferential comprehension is like a how, why, and predictive uh, what next? And, and I know that you could you could make any who, what, where, uh, and uh, when questions into inferential, but let's just keep it easy. Like, who are those characters? What are they doing? Where are they going? When did they go? How did that happen? Why did that happen? What do you think will happen next? That's all inferential stuff. You can't make good predictions based on uh, what you've read, unless you've understood the facts. Now, evaluative, that is like judging um, or separating fact from opinion. Uh, or fact from opinion, or, um, you know, that, uh, what would you do? You know, if you were Billy, what would you do if you were told that the sky was green or something like that? And so, that's an evaluative comprehension question where you're putting the uh, person in the situation and then asking the child or the character what they would do in a given situation. Now, with both of these, um, excuse me, with any of these uh, 
areas here, like for vocabulary or for comprehension levels, you know, it's all about text. You're going to be applying this either to narrative text or expository text. And the, the thing that I'd bear in mind with the narrative text is that narrative text typically has a structure. Uh, it has a, uh, like a story sequence that is like the, uh, the exposition or the opening. And then it has like the rising action. And then it has some kind of a conflict. And then it has falling action. And then resolution. And so story maps, for example, or even story sequences, you must have seen those where this is what happened first, second, and third in the story. Uh, that's trying to teach children that there's a structure to stories and that when they're reading them, uh, they're not only looking for what characters are doing, but they're also looking for um, uh, how a text is organized and, you know, what is the conflict? What was the, uh, what's the falling action? What's the resolution? Um, very simple. You know, when you get into college, then you get to read William Faulkner, where all of uh, William Faulkner's stories end right at the conflict and you never know what, you're not told what happens at the end and you're like, what? Well, that's art, I guess, but uh, this is fourth grade very basic kind of a uh, story structure right here. Expository text, that's usually laid out in, in terms of, uh, of, of like the sciences. Uh, science texts are laid out like that. Math word problems, I don't think you're asked anything at all about math word problems, uh, thank goodness. Uh, but uh, science, sure, maybe social studies too. And that typically will follow some kind of an outline. You know, you've got Roman numeral number one, two, and three. And then in here, you've got uh, a and B and C. And, and, and this is the sort of thing that you want to, uh, to use to teach students who are having trouble with expository text. You want to teach them how to do graphic outlines. The uh, test makers love graphic outlines because what it's doing is it's taking this hidden thing like story schema or story structure or expository text structure and making it visible. Uh, to the students. So doing outlines, doing story maps, or doing separating uh, fact from opinion, for example, where they list all the facts on one side, all the opinions on the other, so they can see how a text is organized and understand what the, the difference is between the two. Um, my friends, this is really all of the um, first part of the of, of like domains uh two three and and uh and four on the test on on one page it's it's really this it's all about uh the very basics of of reading which are phonemic awareness and concepts about print all the way to the highest levels of uh comprehension literal inferential and evaluative comprehension of narrative and expository text um it's a lot coming at you but um i think that simply Watching the, the, the first videos uh, will, will help you acquire that. And, uh, and, and once again, just being able to really briefly sketch out, you know, something when you sit down to take the, uh, the test, um, you know, just being able to remember that there is a, a difference between phonemic awareness, concepts about print, 
and uh, letter sound correspondence and decodable words and uh, onsets and rhymes and phonics rules and um, uh, the sight words, fluency, uh, vocab, uh, and comprehension. You know, just as easy as that, you can just easily go down and say, okay, phonemic awareness, check. Concepts about, yep, check. Yes, yes, nope, nope. And now you know exactly where you should focus your instruction if it's a case study on rules and on sight words. Uh, and, and that, I think, makes things uh, much easier. All right, do you have any questions at all uh, that I can try to answer at this point? I'll look over here and see if you have any questions at all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, all right. Well, why don't we look at a, at a pretty famous case study that, uh, that exists? Well, I don't know how famous it is, but here it is. This is uh, Louise. And I, I wanna just uh, go over this uh, with you not reading every word to you, but it is one that I would take the time to read, but just to point out how I would approach this, uh, this thing so that um, maybe it will make things, uh, you know, more manageable than they, than it might otherwise, uh, it might otherwise be. And the first thing that I always like to do in, uh, in when I'm, you know, looking at any of these, these, uh, these documents that I see is to look at the, the grade level. And in here, uh, we have a, a grade level that is, uh, that is uh, looks like a fifth grade. And so that's an important piece of information because uh, since we're dealing with a fifth grader, I would expect that the student is fluent. And the first thing that I do is I just sort of survey everything. And um, here, uh, this question is slightly different from what you're going to, to see. The, the, they ask you for strengths and needs on, uh, on, on Rika. And, and so it's typically is like, two strengths and one need or one strength and two needs or some combination of the two. I've got a formula that I like, uh, but um, other students have used uh, some other slightly different formulas that also, also work. Uh, you also do have to identify two instructional strategies. By the way, this is the case study and it's the one that counts the most. And, and that's why I wanna focus on, on it because it'll get you the most uh, mileage for, for what you're doing. And then they want you to do not only write instructional strategies, which are really brief, but informative lesson plans, but they also want you to give explanations or justifications. You have to not only, you not only have to align a lesson plan with a need, but also understand what the benefit of your lesson plan is for that need. So they're really trying to see if you know what you're talking about, or if you're just making stuff up, right? Uh, so that's, this is typical Rika Fair, it, it, it really is. And so once I, I look at the, uh, at, the, at the grade level, well, if it's fifth grade text and I'm dealing with a fifth grader, which is what she is, well then, you know, my big question is this, is she fluent? That's the big question. And not only is she fluent, but if I just quickly scan this text uh, right here, if you have ever spent time watching an animal, you have probably seen it doing a number of different things. I know that this is expository. So my question is then is, would be as follows, like, is she fluent? And if she is fluent, does she comprehend expository text? Because that's a variety of texts that I'm looking at. And, and I'm already thinking in my mind that if she's not fluent, then I need to get her to become fluent because fifth grade is, is pretty old uh, to not 
uh, be able to decode and 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 uh, and and uh, recognize the sight words in in a fifth grade text. She's probably a couple of grade levels behind, if that's the case. And then I want to know if she can understand and comprehend expository text, because again, like I said, you know, if we're if we're you know thinking about what I'd said uh, earlier. Uh, that kindergarten through third grade is uh, you're learning to read and fourth through all the way through college or your PhD or whatever, but in this case, eighth grade is reading to learn. Uh, this student is not at the reading to learn stage yet. Um, if the child's not fluent, uh, they're somewhere back here and we're dealing with a fifth grader. You know, she's right about here. So we'd probably be a little bit concerned about her. Uh, we'd be a lot concerned about her. Uh, but anyway, I just got two important pieces of information out of this, that she's fifth grade and she's reading expository text. I would just, again, I would just survey this and just look at it and try to figure out a little bit what, about what's going on. I know what this is. This is an informal reading uh, inventory that was read aloud. In other words, the uh, teacher uh, had the uh, child uh, read a portion of text out loud. And the teacher simply wrote down what the child could do and couldn't do. In other words, uh, what words did she delete? What did she insert? How long were her pauses? What words did she repeat? Did she substitute? Did she self-correct? And any of these things, not the pauses, but any of the deletions or insertions are errors. You know, if the text said the very the, the big cat and she said the great big, the very, very great big, huge cat, those are all errors because you, you have to have the student focus only on the, uh, the text um, to figure out what is, uh, what's going on. Uh, and uh, any words that are substituted, like, you know, if you're reading a, a, a sentence and in the, in the, the text says cow, that's always the, I guess we'll call it the denominator and the numerator is what, the, um, uh, is what would constitute. I do see the questions coming in, I'll, I'll answer them in a moment. The numerator is what the child said. And so you can see in a cat-cow substitution, in this case, the child's only reading the first part of the word and guessing at the rest. And that's going to, going to result in messed up comprehension. You know, if it's about a cow flying around the city, well, then this child's going to think a cat's flying around the city, which is, you know, both are ridiculous, but only one is correct. Um, Self-corrections. Self-corrections are counted. And, uh, and noted, and, and, and I can't remember in the formula if we do count them as, as errors, but they do count against fluency because you can't have a child going through and self-correcting every other substitution, like substituting and self-correcting, because it's usually two things. You count the error as, a, as an error. There's an error rate, and then there's a self-correction rate, but both of them detract from fluency uh because you, the child's going to slow down not only once when making the error but also again when self correcting it and this this whole model uh of fluency uh that uh, that that they that they're talking about is all about short term memory and so if i can unpack that a little bit for you um if a child is, is busy making and correcting errors, where is the, their attention on making and correcting errors, not on understanding what they, what they read? Um, if a child is reading extremely slowly, just plowing through each word, the child's focused on pronunciation. 
and on decoding and on recognizing sight words, not on comprehending. Um, if the child is reading at a really good clip and making substitution errors every other word, well, then the child is focusing on, on mistakes, like you know, mistaking a cat for a cow, for example. Um, so those are the kinds of things that, they, that they're talking about. The child has to be able to read at, uh, at, a, at a normal pace and to do so accurately and to do so with, remember there's, uh, there's speed. And uh, since this is a fifth grader, you know, we would expect the child to be reading at about 150 words uh, per minute um, accuracy. But the child is not doing this. This is a mess. This is a, these are substitutions that are happening. There are skipped words, polysyllabic words. This is a skipped word, a skipped uh, punctuation, inserted word, substituting, substituting lungs for lunges. And I'll come back to this one in, in a moment, but th these are just far too many errors that are present in this, uh, this um, piece of slice of text. To, to be, it's not accurate. The speed, whether or not it's present or not, it's all wrong for the most part. And then prosody, that's the intonation. We don't even need to think about the intonation in here because the accuracy is, is, uh, is lacking. Uh, substantially, so that's what we would needed to we would need to address that. Um, moving along, then just surveying this this uh, uh, teacher student dialogue. This is often very very helpful, and you know I'm going to give you a couple of suggestions for how to approach this, but um, it's going to be up to you for how you want to do it. Some of you should just read the text from beginning to end. Just read this thing straight down and make notes as you can, either on the computer or, or on uh, any scratch paper that they have about what they're talking about in here. But um, I, I would recommend that you don't run out of time. And they find ways to waste your time all the time on this test. And, and so I wouldn't fall into that. Uh, try to avoid that trap, especially with multiple choice questions. You can have a multiple choice question that's got this much text, and then there's one question, and, and, and the question is, what kind of text is this, expository or narrative? And you could have done, figured that out without reading any of it, you know? So always go to the question first. And, and the way that I would approach this is I wouldn't start reading this passage uh, until I look at the questions. These teacher-student dialogues are really good because, um, when you see them like uh, like this, please tell me what this passage is about, Louise. This is a literal question. Are there any specific things it tells about? That's literal. <clears throat> and, and you can begin to see whether or not the child is answering the questions correctly. Uh, it's about animals. It says they do lots and lots of different things. Are there any specific things it tells about? Um, yes, it tells about how a toad got stung by a bee once. And does it say what the, why the toad got stung? and what the toad did afterwards. Okay, so that is, you know, these are inferential questions here, you know, why and like a what next? It tried to eat it. I don't know what it did after that. I bet it hopped around a lot. And the teacher says, I bet you're right. Does it say anything else about toads or about other animals? We're back to literal comprehension. Talks about ducks in the park. Ducks like it when you feed them breadcrumbs. Now here comes a really big question. Does it talk about some types of behavior being different from others? Now this is separating different behaviors, okay, into, into two categories, two or more maybe, but in this case, two. 
And I don't want to quibble about whether or not this is literal or inferential, but it, we could agree that it is advanced. So I'll just put in an I because it does ask the student, you know, to read this at a, at a, at a, at a deeper level. It's a more advanced question. And uh, yes, do ducks do different kinds of things like flying, swimming, and eating. Okay, Louise, would you read the sentence to me? Now this right here is a little mini uh, informal reading inventory. And it says, okay, Louise, would you read the sentence to me? Points to the first sentence of the fifth paragraph where she reads, but even though a toad eats inside, it can still learn something about eating. All right, well, they, they send us back to the, the passage back here and we have to hunt for uh, the fifth paragraph. So one, two, three, four, five, uh, somewhere in here, it, uh, it, it, it says uh, the sentence points to the, uh, what was that? The, see, even I'm lost. Uh, let's see, points to the first sentence of the fifth paragraph. Okay, Louise, would you read this sentence to me? First sentence of the fifth paragraph. One, two, three, four. Oh, here it is. Okay, so I, I guess this was all one paragraph. All right, whatever. But even though a toad eats insects automatically, it can still learn something about eating. Well, look, I mean, I don't really even need to go much further into this, this passage, even though I will, because I can see that the child is skipping advanced polysyllabic words. You know, the, the child substitutes uh, insect for inside and skips automatically entirely, just looks at that word and says, oh, I'm not doing that. Uh, and, and skips it. And so I, I know that there's a problem with, uh, with vocabulary and I, I know that it's due to advanced polysyllabic words. Now I'm just gonna try to build up evidence uh, for this. Uh, is there anything a toad just knows about eating without having to learn it? Nope. And so this is a, uh, um, uh, I guess this would be inferential and the child just says, nope. Would you read this word for me? Points to instinctive in the second paragraph, instant. And again, this is a, this is a vocabulary problem, advanced vocabulary. Now, once I, I, I would, you know, do the, this is how I would do this. I, I don't, whatever's worked for you in the past is what I would stick with. But in this case, I would use these questions that the child has uh, responded to, and I would apply them to the paragraph. So I'd be reading these, the, the paragraph now with a purpose, not to understand it, but to understand it and see if Louise has understood it. And the only thing that she really understands is just the very basic information. She understands that, it's, that there's a, a toad in there and that a toad got stung by a bee and it hopped around a lot. And, and the way that she reads expository text is as if it were a narrative. That's what a real problem is. When you, when you go back and read this thing, and, and I encourage you to do so, you'll see that uh, she really mistakes uh, narrative uh, text. Uh, for expository. And this is not uncommon. And, and, and she also has problems with the vocabulary. The vocabulary is uh, a bit, is too advanced for her at this point, but nonetheless, she does have to get up to grade level and to get, to get up to grade level uh, uh, quickly. And um, I have a really good idea of, of, of what to do in here because since it's expository text, I know that I'm gonna do some kind of a graphic outline. 
And so as you're reading these things, just start to think about activities that you would do that, that would be really easy for you to, uh, to describe. And really, there's a handful of them that you, uh, that, that you can bring to the text, uh, test, excuse me, and I'll explain those to you um, a, little, uh, a little later. But um, the, the teacher notes, the teacher notes are often useful, and I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily skip them, but I wouldn't read them until probably last. And and then I would really skim them because you're going to get, you know, some uh, some good uh, uh, information out of it. But you're also going to get a lot of distractors like this part in the opening. She's a cheerful, confident, talkative girl. She appears to enjoy school. You know, they're waiting for somebody to say that one of her strengths are, uh, well, she's a cheerful, confident, talkative girl. She appears to enjoy school. They figure you don't know anything about, you know, reading instruction because you're going after the, you know, what we call a red herring or the or the distractors. But if you look through this, you'll see that she is better equipped for narrative text than she is for expository. And you can even see that, like in these assessment results here, this is a little bit more uh, useful in uh, you know, word meaning she's, uh, she's doing, a, she's, you know, not so bad, uh, supporting ideas, not so good at all, uh, factual information, summarization, relationships and outcomes, inferences and generalizations, uh, pointed, this is all, you know, primarily the domain of expository text, or at least advanced comprehension. So she's having a really hard time with this, due in large part to her vocabulary, her fluency, and her lack of understanding of the schema or schemata, however you want to put it. But it's expository text schema. That's that's clearly a problem. Expository text schema or schemata. That's just the organization of it, how it's how it's organized. And typically it's organized in the fashion of an outline, you know, main, main idea and uh, supporting ideas, et cetera. Okay, so anywho, um, not doing so hot with prefixes, suffixes, roots and affixes and dividing words into syllables, but she's not horrible, she's, she's close. Uh, but uh, but but she's at the midpoint, and and again, she's fifth grade, so she really ought to be where she uh, with her classmates. She ought to be up around there. Now, if you look at this, the word recognition check. This is uh, this is this is actually very uh, very useful because she is reading a word list out loud, and the teacher is making notes on what she says immediately, and then what she decodes. So, if you look at the word enough, she got it correct. And she got it immediately and thought, nailed it. Um, excited, she nailed it. So these are advanced uh, sight words, you know, because they're simply more, more, comp more uh, complex and, 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 uh, and less frequent, let's say. So she's able to get these advanced sight words without a problem. And that's great. Uh, that really is. So you'll have to cite some strengths that she has. And that's one of the strengths is that she can recognize advanced sight words. Let the case study write itself for you. That's another suggestion that I have. What do I mean by that? Just take the examples out of here. Pull the examples right out of the text so that you can say like, for example, on her word recognition check, she correctly identified enough and thought and excited. Look at mystery. Uh, she does attempt to um, to uh, to syllabicate uh, mystery, 
uh, south urn, she does try to uh, syllabicate. And she does syllabicate the uh, understand correctly. And adventure, she got adventure too, another polysyllabic word. Um, for words that she didn't get, she at least is, is using like an initial uh, consonant strategy, like skillful skillet flavor favorite so she's got a strategy in mind but 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 at least she is attending to and paying attention to print she does have some emerging skills to work with uh with with text but uh she's not fluent uh yet is there anything else yeah there is her her case uh, her her case study so um just to go back to uh to this part here the the question um and and what they ask um you know this is how i would analyze this uh this case study and 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 you know some of you will want to use a a strategy where you spend your four hours uh in a way that maybe you you survey the essays first you do your outlines and then you do the multiple choice and then go back to the essays and fill them in because then you'll get ideas from the from the multiple choice especially if you forget a forget a, a type of a lesson plan uh, or you're just going to do all the writing first and then do the uh, multiple choice uh, next uh, but however you do it um, just be really careful with your time because uh, that's what tends to ruin people's eureka experience uh, is they run out of time and um and that is uh, not something that you you want to do so that's why I'm trying to show you how I would plod through these data sets, surveying and trying to get a sense of what's going on. And there's a formula that I would use for writing the um, for writing this uh, um, a case study. And and I and and the thing that I, I always tell students is that this is an ideal. You're not going to be able to do this 100%. Nobody can. Uh, but come as close to it as you can that that I would just do a five paragraph essay and I would identify a strength in paragraph one with evidence, you know, and I again let the case study tell you what is uh, is is, uh, you know, let the case study give you the examples. I would give a second strength that's different from strength one so you're not just rehashing the same thing and then try to identify the major issue or the major problem and and. And, and it's very easy. This, this student is having trouble uh, with, uh, with, with comprehending. Expository text. That my friends is what the, what the issue is. And it's as easy as that. I mean, this child's having problems with comprehending uh, expository text. And you can even get it a little more granular, comprehending fifth grade expository text. And it's clear, and I know that because uh, for one reason, like this is A now, here's, here's A. I'm, this is my third paragraph now. In, in paragraph A or, or the next sentence in here, I mean, it's clear that uh, she's not fluent on uh, advanced polysyllabic words, advanced polysyllabic words that, you know, tend to be found in, uh, in expository texts, like from the sciences and social sciences and so forth. And, and B, she uh, uh, reads uh, expository, 
or pardon me, yeah, she reads expository as if it were narrative. She's, she's not comprehending and understanding that she's reading science texts. These aren't characters. They're not going on a big adventure in the woods. They are, you know, they're talking about animal behaviors, some that are, uh, that are inherited and some that are, are learned. And so um, in order to, to help her then, uh, then in, uh, they want two lesson plans out of you. So lesson plan one and lesson plan two well, for lesson plan one, I would likely do a making words activity. Or I would do some kind of a syllabication activity. You know, involving word cards uh, or, or breaking words apart. And I would use the words on her list, like understand and putting them together or mystery and putting them together. Uh, words out of here, like inside, I would take like insects would be one of my word word cards. It would be on one. It would be in sect, and we put it together into insect, and we learn to read them together automatically. Would be another one, ah, uh, auto, and then you get the idea. Automatically, uh, for lesson plan number two, uh, I would be doing a graphic outline. And in this case, I would read together with her because she can't read this on her own, uh, but she probably could read it if the teacher read it to her and then asked Louise comprehension questions. And I would simply separate behaviors that are learned uh, from behaviors that are inherited. And have her, you know, read the details and separate one into each category. And that's, that's what, what they want you to do. Now, don't forget that in addition to uh, two lesson plans, instructional strategies or activities, eh, they're lesson plans, uh, they want you to give an explanation of why each strategy would be effective. So don't forget to put in a, a you know, the benefit. You have to have a benefit. And the benefit of this is that it's visual, multisensory, it's aligned with her need, and it will help get her, uh, be, help her become fluent on advanced polysyllabic words. You know, just get in the habit of anytime you're writing a benefit to really laying it on thick. You know, it's, uh, it's multi-sensory. It involves a sense of sight and touch, and and uh, and and she's going to be speaking and decoding and blah 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 blah. And that's the same thing with with this. That the benefit is that it makes um, you know expository schema tangible. It makes it concrete. It makes it. Uh, it makes it uh, uh, visual. Uh, and try to find different words to use in each one of the benefits. You're not just saying the same things over and over again. Um, you know, vary it a little. Break out your th thesaurus, and you know, it should get you there. Wow, that was a that was a good run. We're at eight oh five. But that's how that's how I would pick this one apart. Now, I do have the answer. Uh, written out for you. And I think I, I do want to go through it with you. And I'll just let you read Robert on your own. It's the same thing. And I've got a video up 
uh, for uh, Robert's case study. And it's uh, called Robert's case study. It's like number 15 or 16 or something like that. Uh, but let's look at uh, Louise's answer uh, really quick. Let me see if I can zoom in on this and, and uh, if it'll let me um, move this thing over and, and it does great. That should be a little easier to read now. So let's see what's, uh, what's going on in here. So you can see how I, how I uh, divide this up into um, each into five paragraphs. So strength one, Louise's first strength is that she fluently decodes third grade narrative text. Now I did get that out of the teacher notes. Uh, go back and read the teacher notes. As I said, sometimes they're very useful. Uh, oftentimes they're just full of distractors, but if you know what you're looking for, and in this case, the teacher notes do say, the teacher notes of 923 indicate that she can read and summarize decodable text that is written at a third grade level and answer questions about character motiva motivations. This is a very important strength because it shows that if she is fluent and has the correct schema, narrative in this case, she will be able to comprehend what she reads. So go to, don't just skip the teacher notes, but I would, I would stick with the major data sets first, the informal reading inventory, the reading aloud, um, any word analysis, and then I would be going through the teacher notes only to find you know, uh, additional support for strengths and needs as I did in, in here. Um, Louisa's second strength is that she has some word identification skills. The teacher notes of 10.6 also indicate that she can recognize high frequency irregular sight words uh, such as thought, adventure, and excited. That I really should have said, not the teacher notes, I really should have said her uh, word ID uh, her word identification chart indicated that. Uh, she can also break unfamiliar words into syllables. She was able to syllabicate mystery Southern and understand to a degree. She was also able to recognize the initial onset and skillful and the uh, initial letter of flavor to guess the word. Okay, so she is attending to print. She can syllabicate, but <clears throat> again, um, I always recommend that you just try to look at the major problem and that major problem is going to be text. That's what it is. So I don't, I really don't want you to all overcomplicate this because some students freak out and say, well, I couldn't find the major problem. Look, just look at the text and see what it is the child can and cannot do. And in this case, it's Louise's need is with comprehending grade level expository text, both literally and inferentially. And I base that on the teacher dialogue and her SAT-9 reading scores reveal that Louise has very limited literal comprehension of expository text because she read it as if it were a narrative story. This is because she does not know how to follow the schema of expository text. She's reading expository text with the wrong structure in mind. And so you have to give her a graphic outline to change the structure in her head uh, so that she's able to separate fact from opinion or learn behaviors from <clears throat> inherited behaviors. Uh, since she was looking for characters and plots in the passage also, so this is, this is A right here, you know, wrong schema, and B uh, lacks um, fluency with uh, decodable and polysyllabic words that are often found in upper level content area text. Evidence. She read, insect is inside, instinctive is instant. Therefore, the areas upon which I would focus would be expository schema and polysyllabic words. You can see how I organize the rest of this. I just simply tell them 
them being the assessors, what I'm gonna what I'm gonna write about. Uh, I'm going to address her first need to help Louise read uh, to help Louise uh, uh, comprehend expository text uh, literally. The teacher needs to help make the schema of expository text concrete. Now watch how I do this, everybody. This is very much a teacher modeling, guided practice, independent practice. They, they love that stuff. So always be thinking about that, that you have to do teacher modeling first, then you do guided practice together. Like I do, we do, you do. Teacher modeling, guided practice, and then independent practice. That is how I would structure every one of my lesson plans for, uh, for these, uh, these assessors. Um, and you can see it in here. I would use a graphic organizer. Uh, for this purpose. Outline, uh, doing some editing as I don't look at this, that's wrong. Uh, graphic outline for this purpose. <clears throat> First, I would put the central idea in a circle on a piece of paper in case, in this case, it's animal behavior. Second, I would have two branches off the circle, one being instinctive behaviors, the other being learned behaviors. Or you could do a T-chart, that's that T that I showed you earlier, you know, instinctive and learned. Uh, third, Louise and I would read the passage together and categorize the details from each paragraph into instinctive behaviors or learned behaviors. Finally, I would ask Louise literal and inferential comprehension questions based on the passage and have her use the graphic outline as a guide. Um, yeah, this activity would make the scheme of expository text concrete because she can visualize how the details of the passage are organized and can use a strategy to answer comprehension questions. Need be again here. This is going to be making words using word cards. Again, they love this stuff. Uh, a good strategy to use uh, with polysyllabic words would be to focus on polysyllabic words. Okay, not the best sentence I've ever written, uh, but what you're focusing on are the words that you got wrong. I would take a polysyllabic word from her word recognition check, such as understand. And teach her how to both syllabicate and reassemble it. I would write its syllables uh, onto the three index cards as follows. Un on the first card, dur on the second, stand on the last. Louise and I would associate the correct phoneme chunks to these syllables and practice making words from them. And I would say that you could do the same thing with understand as well as uh, inside for, or pardon me, insect, uh, automatically. Uh, finally, I would have Louise read the sentence with understand in it. The benefit of this activity is that it teaches Louise to associate phoneme chunks to words or word parts, along with not only how to syllabicate, but also to reassemble the words by seeing, saying, and manipulating syllables. So this is the kind of uh, formulaic writing that I would do. Um, I don't think that there's really a lot of thinking involved in this, this test. Once you get that, that checklist, once you get this checklist, or a checklist of your own, whatever it is you're going to use. Once you get that down so you're comfortable with it, and uh, once you get you know, used to just writing very formulaically, you know, here's strength one, strength two, here's the major problem with whatever text they give you. Uh, and it's typically going to be a problem with the text and a problem with vocabulary. That's what it is. And then uh, you do a lesson plan, like graphic organizers, and then a something for, um, uh, the vocabulary, which is quite often uh, making words, you're, and you're, you're good to go. Um, 
this uh, Robert is a good one for you to uh, to read because Robert has mainly strengths, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, his expository text uh, uh, comprehension is pretty good. There's a couple of errors in it, as, as I recall. Uh, lots of teacher notes that I would go back to. Um, here's his uh, reading of, uh, actually, I think he's got weaknesses in both, excuse me. Um, in, in, in Robert's case, when you read his, uh, his journal entry here, um, just give me a moment. His, uh, his summary is, is really pretty, pretty weak. He misses quite a bit of, uh, of, of stuff that, that he should have gotten. It tells you what he's supposed to do. And let me just read this to you. Uh, students in Robert's reading group meet to discuss some of the chapters of the book. They respond independently to other chapters by writing about them in their reading journals. For the uh, journal entries, students first discuss their personal reactions to the story, then they respond to the specific teacher questions or prompts. Following is Robert's uh, reading journal entry after finishing the book. Uh, the teacher prompts that day were, describe your personal reaction to the story, one, summarize a conflict Brian faced throughout the story, and three, describe how Brian has changed from the person he was at the beginning of the story. So this is about a, a boy, Brian, who's in a plane crash with his dad. His dad dies and Brian lands the plane safely, and then he's got to survive in the wilderness with nothing but a hatchet, and he endures hardships during his 54 days. Here's what, here's the impression that left on Robert. I thought he would get saved, and he did. He didn't have any other conflicts because there wasn't any other characters. Maybe the moose. It was really dangerous and liked to conflict. He's a lot skinnier at the end of the story, so this child has missed quite a bit of the stuff that he could have written about in here. And, um, and there's a lot of spelling errors to, to go along with it. <clears throat> and you can see that there's more support for perhaps working with spelling uh, in here. However, you could address his narrative text problem. And it's a problem with narrative schema. Here is expository text and he does not understand it completely. So he's got an expository schema problem. So what do you get to do perhaps? Why you can write about um, Robert's problem is in comprehending grade level expository and narrative text, both literally and inferentially. You know, when you when you read over this thing a little more carefully, you'll see that that is uh, those are both the issues, and and you can see how I would uh, write out an outline right here, and how I would um, handle his narrative uh, text uh, issues. I don't know if they really let you draw on the uh, the computer based test. Uh, but you can you can just just learn to describe it in a very simple way. You know, a three chart. You know, a three um, a table with three cells. You know, in the first cell, second cell, third cell. However you want to do it. All right, I've yacked at you now for an hour and a half. Aren't you lucky? Maybe not. But uh, I should ask at this point: Do you have any questions at all? Is there anything that I can try to answer at this point? Anything going once? I believe that I did uh, drop uh, the URL to this. Good, yeah, it's in there so you can download it. I did get a question from uh, one student. Um, uh, yeah, so the, the question is uh, throughout the videos, you've mentioned that go into further detail in, your, uh, in, your, in the outlines. And the way that I would go into greater detail is again, let the case study 
uh, right itself. Like the, let the other questions, you're gonna get two lesson plan questions and then you get two short answer questions. Just take examples that are in the case study. You know, in, in, in this case, uh, I would be uh, just, you know, look at how I've really fleshed this out. I said the teacher notes of 1215 reveal that Robert frequently misses the main ideas in both fiction and nonfiction text. For example, in the expository text on earthquakes, the teacher asked him what causes the what causes earthquakes. He said vibrations. Also, when asked what causes vibrations, he said rocks falling. So this, you know, he doesn't understand cause and effect. But I'm just taking that directly out of the case study. I don't have to uh, really invent anything else. I just take examples directly out, and and that's how I would flesh it out. Um, uh, and, and, and that way they know that you read it and that way they know, they, that they're, they're sure that you understand what, <clears throat> what it is you're doing. Are there any other questions, anything at all that I can try to answer for you? Anything at all? I'll, I'll do that dramatic teacher pause and count to five. Uh, professor? Yeah, that's me. Go ahead. Hi. Good morning. Um, well, good evening, actually. <laughs> Whatever. Um, Whatever time zone you're in, my friend. Uh, I was directed to this uh, session due to my professor uh, just in preparations for the RECA. Um, I'm in my first year right now, and I thought this was absolutely fantastic. Oh, I was wondering, you. how do we, um, you mentioned several times in this video uh, that you have videos online. Yeah. And how do we uh, how do we acquire access to these videos? I'm completely interested in this. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll direct you to my uh, my YouTube channel that everybody has these days. I don't have Facebook. I don't have Instagram. I'm just getting my MySpace set up. But um, <laughs> you can find all of my fascinating works uh, here. Let me see. Reading instruction lectures. I'll drop this into the chat, and uh, you can. Um, find that there. Give me one moment, my friend. And uh, let's see here, just a moment. Um, let's see, I just wanted to put that in the window, but I wanted to give you all an e easier URL to, uh, to use and it won't let me. Okay, whatever. So if you just go to um, YouTube and type in my, my name, Chris Busalis, that's me. I think my, I still have my URL here, distanceprep.com, uh, that, that I had from a long time ago. That'll get you, that might get you there too. Let's see if I paid my money. And hey, look, it still works. So you can just type in that and it'll get you there. And so I've got other tutorials that I've done for other um, uh, schools and classes. Uh, I've got all of my reading instruction lectures are here. And uh, I go over everything from uh, foundations of reading, overview of decoding, all the way through to, um, as you saw, you know, here's Robert. There's a Robert case study. There's Mary. You didn't, we didn't do Mary tonight, but I have, there's Louise. And I have everything posted online uh, for you. The workbook is also posted online too. You can uh, find that uh, in, the, in the description. Like if you click on this thing here, you'll see um, that uh, you can find the workbook um, right here. It's, all, it's always in the description. Just go to the description, you click on it, and then uh, you can download the, the workbook uh, right here. Wow. Uh, and I, there's practice tests from other 
uh, from other states, but it's all the same company. So if you go here, you'll be able to uh, find um, and download their uh, exams. Like this foundation's a reading from Massachusetts. It's a hundred questions. And so they look just like RECA because again, it's the same company. So you can practice uh, those things. Um, and what else can you find? Uh, all of the practice tests, I go over the practice tests here. I tell you where to download them and I go over each one of the items like one through, like if I click on this, I go over a practice test with you, uh, all of the essays and the case study for that one. And I go over them one by one. Um, and what else did I put online? Oh, just the case studies. If all you wanted were the case studies, you can do those. If you know people who need to do CBEST and CSET language arts, I posted that. Uh, and that's really about it. Um, the rest is all for basic skills, but yeah, it's all, all my lectures are up and you can find the stuff and, and use it. I've even got a stupid podcast that I, I turned all my lectures into stupid podcasts. So if you want, you can go listen to, uh, listen to the podcasts. You can find it on pretty much anything. If you go to whatever I thing you have, um, you should be able to, to, uh, to just, uh, you should be able to find it. I can't remember where I put it on here. Uh, Podbean, yeah, that's it. If you go to Podbean, you'll find them all. And so you can listen to my sleepy, boring voice. And hopefully that'll help you. I don't know. This is incredible. But, well, it's stuff, you know. I got. I didn't have anything better to do for a couple of years, uh, so I put it up there. It's, uh, I used to teach a reading instruction methods course <laughs> a long time ago. And I, um, and I, uh, uh, you know, had all these lectures that I used for my students. And then I went out, to, I didn't want to teach it anymore. You know, if you teach, you can imagine, you know, teaching this over and over and over and over and over again. So I uh, went on to something else and then just posted everything online. And um, yeah, people seem to like it. So um, I don't want to overwhelm you with stuff. I mean, like for, if you're like, taking this on Monday, then I would just focus on the case studies and the essays. That's all I would do. I would just review that. You know, um, you don't have to, the more knowledge you have, of course, the easier it, it's going to feel. But uh, I, I know people who, um, you know, just based on having a checklist, like just a simple checklist and the organizational methods for uh, the essays pass, no problem. So. Um, I'll just leave it at that. Are there any any other questions that I can try to answer, my friends? Anything at all? Uh, Chris, I have a question. So when you write the responses, it requires five paragraphs. Do the length of the five, the five paragraphs matter? To a degree. Um, I think that they say that you can't go over a certain number of words. And I don't remember. Uh, let me see if I can find the test specifications for the word counts. Um, uh, let's see if they say <clears throat> anything about the word counts in here. Um, uh, let's see the written prone to dub or video performance assessment, uh, 70 multiple choice. Oh, by the way, on the multiple choice, um, there are, uh, 10 questions that do not count. So just bear that in mind when you're doing the, um, the multiple choice. Sometimes you're going to find questions that it looks like two questions could be correct. 
it's because two questions could be correct. They're using you all as guinea pigs, which I think is completely unfair, but let's not worry about that, okay? Let's just worry about the test. So um, it looks like for the case study uh, that is not, the case study is between 300 and 600 words. Uh, so um, I think 250 is about two and a half paragraphs. So I'd try to come in about 500 words and I'm sure that there's gotta be a word counter thing on the, um, on the, uh, uh, the, the, the computer-based exam, but between, you know, 300, uh, between 500 and 600 is where you want to be. So just flesh it out with more examples if you have to. If you need this, uh, if you'd like this just for reference, I'll put that in the, uh, in the chat for you. So just give me one moment, everybody, and let's see. Uh, you, you'll be able to find this, uh, this thing right here. And um, notice, too, where, where the major points uh, reside. They're, they are in the word analysis. They are in the um, comprehension and in the vocabulary. That doesn't mean bomb the fluency question, uh, for example, or, you know, uh, this one doesn't have an essay associated with it, domain one. Uh, but, you know, you really want to put your time into word analysis. That's decoding, that's sight words, that's spelling. That's what you really want to nail. And, uh, and then the next one is comprehension, literal, inferential, evaluative of expository or narrative text. And, and, and the lesson plans for these are just longer. That's, that's all they are. And, and again, I've got uh, all the videos that you, uh, that you need. And I don't think I put that for everybody to see. So let me make sure that I do that. Give me one moment here, everybody. Here we go. So if you didn't, oops. All right, I'll have to get serious with this thing. Just give me a moment here. I don't know why it just doesn't leave my YouTube slash Christmas Alice. It's just so much easier to. Oh, you're watching me misspell my own name. Well, it's getting late, which means we need to wrap this up. So, uh, okay, so that should be in the chat for everybody now, um, and you should be able to uh, to see that. All right, great, thank you uh, for the person who helped me out with uh, with that. I appreciate it. And anyway, that's it. That's all I got. I have nothing else. I'll uh, be happy to answer any questions that you have. Uh, professor, that's me. Um, so I'm in my first year of my program. Okay. Um, how much time should we invest into studying, preparing for this exam per se before uh, we end up taking it? You know, um, I, I think that I wait until you're in your methods course, till you're in your methods class, and you're actually um, uh, learning some of the methods to go along with this. Like when you start your reading methods class, then I would just devote like, uh, you know, whatever. If you do a little Rika every day, it, it goes a long way. Okay. That's what I would say. And, uh, and another thing that tends to help students is that um, this is the reading model right here that I go over in great detail. Uh, just start memorizing this thing. And, and I know some students have done things like gotten on a whiteboard and they just write this thing out and write in the examples because that's exactly what I do if you uh, notice in the, uh, the video, for example, um, that I probably won't be able to find very easily this time around. Maybe I will. Uh, but um, you can see that uh, that's exactly what I do in these uh, in, in the videos. I just uh, I'll let this play in the background, but uh, excuse the ad. Um,
this uh, that's exactly what I do. I go over and I and I and I give you examples and I explain this over an eleven minute period or whatever, and I talk about it full screen. This thing, by the way, if you uh, were curious, and um, I do the same thing with the whole thing. And um, I would just, uh, you know, budget budget about like like an hour of study a, a day probably won't take you that long. Uh, but uh, you'll find that this will um, will help you out. I think it, it's other people have said it's useful. I mean, if I, you know, if I started getting messages from people, wow, this sucks. It didn't help me at all. Then I'd, I'd take it offline. I mean, it wouldn't be any good, but uh, people seem to like it. And, uh, and that's why I keep it up. So, all right, we're at 830, everybody. Any final questions, anything at all? Thank you so much. Oh, this no problem. Really helpful. Oh, good. I'm glad. Uh, Mr. Razo, I believe, is the uh, the person who uh, reached out and uh, and and said, "Hey, can you give us a tutorial?" And I said, "Sure, I'll give you a tutorial." So, uh, Christina, I wish you all the luck in the world. You know, um, share your knowledge with your peers. Uh, don't tell them any questions on there because then you'll get in trouble. Not from me, but uh, I don't I don't care what you do. I don't work for them. So do whatever you're going to do, but uh, I, I hope that uh, you'll, uh, you'll you'll find success with it. I'm sure you will, and um, and yeah, share your knowledge with your peers. Uh, you might tell them, look, just don't listen to him. This was a breeze, but maybe you'll say, yeah, it was helpful. Or but let me know how you all do. You know, thank and you. I appreciate it. No problem at all. I I I uh, wish all of you all the luck in the world. With that being thank said, you. my friends. Well, thank you, Chris, so much. We really appreciate your time and everything that uh, you helped us out with. And uh, we're really grateful here at the University of Redlands for people, for professors such as yourself, yeah. who uh, take time out of their day, out of their schedule to help others who are just who just want to be teachers and improve yep. the, the communities in the world. Yep, that's the whole idea. Pass it on. Guys. All right, Definitely. take care, everyone. So uh, long. Chris, have a wonderful evening. You too, sir. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you. That was a lot of fun. Bye-bye.